podcast for curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, Binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is Jason Waltenhausen. Thank you for coming back on today. Also known as the Ohm's Law Guy. Thanks for having me again. Awesome. It's a, it's always great to to talk about uh, this crazy thing I've stumbled upon. <laughs> Which might be the, the one of the, um, I guess, the God formula in a way. Exactly. So because... We're not going to be listening to this uh, today, but it is the night before Halloween that we're recording this. I'm going to share with you a little Halloween tale of terror, let's call it. And uh, we're going to talk about how energy law is actually contributing to climate change. Hmm. And we're going to cover a lot of different things. I've got it kind of laid out here. But before we get into it, I need to ask you a question. Have you, do you know what a Dutch uncle is? Is this something dirty? No. No, I don't. <laughs> have, you watch, have, you watched, have you watched the Cobra Kai show? Yes. Okay. The role Johnny Lawrence is playing in that show is the role of the Dutch uncle. So a Dutch uncle is the person that has to tell you the hard truth without sugarcoating it. Because everyone needs a good Dutch uncle from time to time to kick them in the pants to get their head right. And that's the role Johnny Lawrence is playing in Cobra Kai, which is a brilliantly display of that character type. And they call it a Dutch uncle. Awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's neat. And because I am Canadian and I am also Dutch, I'm a dual citizen. (laughs) So I have to, I'm going to start with that because in this episode, I'm basically going to become the planet's Dutch uncle. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, this sounds great. First of all, what have you heard or do you believe is the cause of climate change? Um, I mean, I've heard that it is, you know, fossil fuels. However, I believe that it's probably more likely a combination of things. I am going to think, I think, tend to think that it is fossil fuels. Um, I think it might, some of it might be a normal cycle of the planet. Um and also destruction of uh, the forests. So I think it might be a combination of all those things. Okay. And, I, and I, I believe that climate change is real because there are people that don't even believe it's happening. But I also believe that climate change is constant. 
mm-hmm. because I live in in Canada, and the area that I live in thirty thousand years ago was under three kilometers of ice. So the the climate is always in flux. Yeah, but I do believe that we have definitely contributed something to it. Mm-hmm. How can catastrophic it's going to be is a whole other question so i'm going to start with discussing the nature of money a little bit and money really is one of the greatest inventions in human history because it's supposed to be an energy transfer agreement between people you put your work into something like plowing a field and growing a harvest and then you sell those goods for money and then you use that money to buy the things that you need that you can't create yourself and in its original concept i call money is infused with the dignity of labor your effort is what gives it its value that and it typically is tied to something like gold Mm -hmm. which has an intrinsic value and between the effort you put into getting it and the the thing that it is tied to is what creates money. It gives money its value. Historically, that's what happened. Money is really, really linked to the dignity of labor, I call it. Right. So, so we, when we discovered oil, we basically discovered liquid sun that we could turn into anything and use for anything we wanted. The problem was, is that energy needs a medium to flow through. So the energy that we, the medium we flow it through is money. We basically Mm -hmm. use money to unleash that energy. So if you look at graphs going back to like 1900 and when oil was just becoming and coming into prominence, If you actually look up these graphs, you'll see there's a direct correlation between energy consumption, uh, debt, population, um, and temperature of what's going on on the planet. Because we had all of this energy, but because we were working off of a gold that that energy was getting used was limited. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically in the 1970s in America, they had the energy crisis and the way they got out of the energy crisis was to remove money from the gold standard. Mm. Nixon did this. And the reason they had to do that was because they needed basically non gold based money to pay to the OPEC nations to get them to start pumping oil. If they had to actually use money that was tethered to gold, they couldn't afford the oil. So Nixon removes the gold standard in the 70s. And then if you start looking at all those graphs, you'll start seeing that America basically starts printing money slowly at first so that they can buy the things with money that isn't actually attached to something of intrinsic value like gold. Make sense so far? Yep. Okay. So basically, by removing money from the gold standard, debt and credit have actually caused climate change. 
because when you let someone, you remove the dignity of labor from money and anybody can have a credit card and spend a hundred years worth of energy. When that energy gets spent without the effort that goes with it, a factory turns on. And I always use the example of a little jelly bean shitting reindeer gets created so that we can have that for Christmas, all of which is being done on credit. And all of that energy from the oil is getting released through products and services because if you actually had to labor to generate the money to get these things, by the time you'd actually earned enough money to do it, you wouldn't want the stuff anymore because it's too much work to actually get the money to buy the things that we're squandering it all on. Right. Makes sense. Right. So I personally believe that monetary policy is actually the cause of climate change. Okay. If every person, if every person could only spend the money that they generated, we would be living in a completely different reality right now. And I, it's been going on that. since the 70s. <laughs> well, and that's what I do too. I'm a minimalist and I've actually made it my mission over the last four years to live a lifestyle that is within my means and I have no debt and I do live within my means and you live a radically different lifestyle once you attempt that experiment. But the entire world now being on credit and the ads here in Canada for just go to this website and they'll tell you the credit cards you're pre-approved for without affecting your credit rating. It's all that's on TV now because we are living in a fantasy land that debt and easy credit have created. And the side effect of every time you spend money on that credit card is another factory somewhere in the world pumps out another bass boat. It replaces the bass boat that you bought that they already built and it builds two more because next year they got to, they got to sell more anyway. And all of that activity on credit is basically what has caused the problem. Because if we didn't have ever growing amounts of debt, those factories wouldn't be working at capacity and the planet would have time to heal. That makes sense. That makes sense because because with uh, money not having a value, everything's being made and decreasing in value at an accelerated pace. Where if, if it's based on something real, it's going to be more imbalanced. Yeah. So what happens is is that there's a whole bunch of side effects that that happen because of this now. Because when you remove the dignity of labor from money. The dignity of labor is created by the discipline to do the work. So when you remove the discipline required to, to save enough money to buy the things that you want, you create a completely undisciplined society as a side effect because no one needs to be disciplined anymore because you just get another credit card. And then this starts cascading through every aspect of how we view the world. Hmm. Is this why people have stopped working? Bingo. Because why would you? <laughs> because, the, and, they're, and they're also, they're not, like what you're doing with this podcast and what I do with my course takes a tremendous amount of discipline. They, 
they've, they've removed the doing of the work from the value of the money. And this is incredibly, incredibly dangerous now to the point where people cannot do the most basic tasks or they believe that the most basic tasks are below them because why should I have to do that? Just get another credit card. Hmm. Then they wonder why there is a job sh uh, labor shortage globally right now. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. So, so, so what, what happens next, do you think? Well, that's what I want to get to next. Okay. So are completely to blame for this because they set the economic policies and there's no enforcement of the rules that do exist either. They've just turned these printing presses on right now because governments live in the potential constant reality of my Ohm's law model. And in the potential constant reality, if potential is constant and current increases, resistance decreases, or if potential is constant and resistance increases, current decreases. That's one of the phases. So the government's instinct is because they are the law, they are the established potential. If current increases, resistance decreases, that means if I throw money at the problem, the problem goes away. Mm -hmm. And if you throw money at a problem, the problem goes away. Hmm. That's the thing about having money. So there's no resistance. Well, the, resi the, the, money, the money makes the resistance go away. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is with this climate change problem is our relaxed view of the value of money has caused the problem. And they are still trying to throw money at the problem to make the problem go, go away. Mm -hmm. But the problem now is very real. This is a physical world problem, not a fake money problem. Money isn't real. It's an energy transfer agreement that we have now violated to the point that there are real high environmental resistance circumstances coming. Mm -hmm. And money, throwing money at it or creating tax credit schemes or carbon credit schemes, none of these things are going to work because we're dealing with a real consequence of our negligence hmm. and money can't solve it. Money doesn't make factories pollute less, let alone we have to have the constant economic growth to justify our whole system. So you cannot continue to have growth, which is relying on more debt being issued and stop this problem because the debt has caused the problem. Interesting. I had a guest on a while ago, Dan Duke, and he has the idea of <clears throat> he says something similar to what you were say, you're, you're saying, and he had his solution is rather than having money you know just being printed out or having money backed by gold, his idea was to have money backed by forests like 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 you know by actual forestry like 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 you know more the more forest there is then the more value the money has to help reverse the global um the climate change do you, do you think that's an actual idea that could work yeah yeah we can tether money to anything as long as everyone agrees on the value of that thing 
and we have to we have to tether it to something real again well, what's what's more valuable than air <laughs> well i and i agree I, I agree this this gets us this gets us to the next problem okay mm -hmm. there's going to be many layers to this onion by the way so there's a very dangerous mantra right now that is being repeated like a drum beat called you have to trust the science everywhere you go you're hearing everyone's got to trust the science and in my opinion science can never be trusted because it's fluid it's always changing and our understanding of what is good today is not good 10 years from now and of understanding of what was bad what we thought was good 10 years ago has proven to be bad today because science needs time to actually figure out what the consequences of the science are. It's always changing. It's always changing. It's fluid. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you an example now. I actually, 20 years ago, went to school and became a licensed gas technician. So I actually worked in the industry, in, uh, in the energy industry for a period of time. And part of the thing you have to learn when you take this gas technician course is called ODP, the ozone depletion course, because it deals with furnaces and air conditioners and refrigeration and all of that stuff. So here's the next component of the problem that we face. Basically, refrigeration, as we know it, Freon specifically, was created in the mid-1930s. And uh, it was touted as a scientific marvel and miracle that was going to change the world because it was a stable way of keeping food cool and how mm -hmm. to cool buildings, right? Right. So by the mid-1970s, and it was completely government approved and deemed safe, and then by the, the mid-1970s, they realized, hey, there's this hole opening up in the ozone. We have a problem. And it's from the CFCs in the refrigerant, the chlorofluorocarbons. And they were also in aerosol cans. They were, they were using them in anything. Yeah. So people that basically created the refrigeration said to the governments, we got this problem and it's in the refrigerant. It's in the Freon. And the government said, well, we're not giving up refrigeration. So we're just going to have to live with it. But by from the mid-1970s to the mid-1980s, the hole in the ozone was getting so big that the government said, holy crap, we got to stop this. And a protocol, which basically limited the use of Freon and initiated the creation of a new refrigerant that doesn't have the chlorofluorocarbons in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is just an example of science that was approved and deemed to be safe but took time to be proven otherwise. Right. Here's, here's the problem. When you take the course, they tell you that when refrigerant gets released that atmosphere at ground level, it can take, and the science, they're not sure of the specific numbers. I'm going to, going to tell you what we were taught in the course, which is issued by the government. Once it is released, it takes between two and 10 years to get to the upper atmosphere. The problem is, is that once the, the, the chlorofluorocarbons hit the upper atmosphere, they're like kernels of popcorn and they get baked in the UV of the sun. And they take 
approximately 40 years to pop. So if you look at, it was created in the mid thirties, by the mid seventies, they realized it was a problem. By the eighties, they saw it was a full on problem and they had to act. That means, and we call this the pollution impact lag. I call it the pill. So it would be 2020 when you see it pop. Yes. Yeah, so what happens is, is that the damage that they saw was actually, it has a, a, a pollution impact lag of, let's say, 50 years for easy math. From mid-1930 to 1980s, 50 years. So then all of a sudden, they call they create the Montreal Protocol. It keeps getting worse for a while, and then everything starts slowing down, and they go, hey, the Montreal Protocol worked. Yay, we saved the planet. Ozone's hole's getting smaller. But what they haven't correlated yet is that you have to go back 50 years. And 50 years from now, basically, was in the 70s when America was having the energy crisis. And when the energy crisis hit, all kinds of development slowed. So I'm not sure where they're at with the science now. All I know is every few years I look into it and I'll find an article where they go, hey, that ozone hole really opened up last month and uh, no one seems to know why. And then they don't talk about it again. So here's the problem, potentially, is that we are about to hit 50 years ago, we're about to hit the period where we put an air conditioner on every house in North America. In the 70s, there were very relatively few air conditioners on houses. It was mostly like government building. So we're about to hit this huge bubble of CFCs that are little kernels that have been cooking up there for 30 years that are all going to start popping. If the science, as we were taught, is still valid and correct and it hasn't changed because they learned something new. Mm -hmm. When an air conditioner breaks, one of two things happens. Either the condenser or compressor has died and the Freon is still in the system or there's a leak. All of the Freon in all of the air conditioners in North America all gets released to atmosphere, mostly through leaks. And this has been happening since the 80s um, because even though they have these regulations, there are no free on police. There's no one enforcing this. It's an honor system. So what happens is by the time the refrigerator in your house, let's say, breaks and you take it away to go to the scrapyard, because there, no one is getting paid for the reclaimed refrigerant and because the wrecking yards will not... Um, take a unit if it has refrigerant in it because they're not licensed to deal with it every refrigerator or air conditioner between your house and the wrecking yard gets the line snipped and all of the freegon goes to atmosphere because there's no one enforcing the rules and no one is getting paid to actually take the time to do it properly and that's going to become a real big problem soon because if the science we were taught in school is correct there is a time bomb waiting to go off in the upper atmosphere called cfc's of the last decades in america right now there are so many hotels and malls with leaks in their refrigeration systems 
that once a year they pull up an 18 wheeler full of refrigerant and hardwire it to the building because it is leaking constantly and it costs too much to fix. Hmm. The old refrigerant can no longer be sold as a new unit, but refrigerant for all of the existing units is still available. And most of them are on huge buildings that are old and no one will reinvest. It. Wow. This is an ongoing problem that is going to continue. So and I think, <clears throat> go ahead, sorry. The, the if part, what if the science is wrong? Is there a chance that the science that they taught you in the, you know, was it 30 years ago? Wrong now. I'm God hope that they're right. I, I hope that it was wrong. But my gut is saying that if we're just hitting 1970, there's a larger zone is getting smaller. It's because we hit an economic crisis and development slowed. We're going to know in another decade. Because when we hit the 80s, all I know is from the 80s to the year 2000, mm -hmm. every air conditioner in North America, the Freon went to atmosphere. Hmm. And this is a very real problem that money in its current form of valuelessness cannot, you cannot throw money and solve this problem. What happens if we don't have an ozone layer? Well, apparently we're all going to get a really good tan. Oh, UV comes through? Yeah. The ozone is what's making the UV bounce off. I'm not a, a weather guy. The good news is this. The way the planet spins, it sucks all of the contaminants to the poles. Right? So mm -hmm. it's not like it would have to be so freaking crazy because there's a hole over Antarctica, as far as I know, and a hole over the North Pole because everything through centrifugal force or whatever gets drawn in. Right. So as these kernels pop, they, I guess the, the, the chlorine basically, and oh, and by the way, one chlorine, one particle of chlorofluorocarbon, when the chlorine gets released, kills 50,000 ozone particles. That's one atom of, yeah. And some of the reports I've, I've been reading lately say that they might, they think it might actually be a hundred thousand because they just don't know for sure. But science changes, like yeah. I say, which is why I'm really leery when they keep saying, just, you got to trust the science because that's my first example. And the second one is DDT. You remember good old DDT? That was the um, insect stuff, right? That used to spray on plants. Exactly. So they used to, you can watch videos on YouTube of the 50s where they were spraying kids with it. Like they were spraying all the trees mm -hmm. and the little kids from the 50s are running through the clouds of DDT because it's <laughs> government approved and safe, baby. I remember, remember those? Yes. <laughs> right? So now the reality is, is that money makes, might makes right and money always wins in the current reality. So the big chemical companies that create these things say there's no correlation to this. But the truth is, is that there is a 60% decline in male fertility in the entire farming belt of North America because of all of this stuff. 
and have sprayed on things for decades, now we are seeing a staggering drop in male fertility. And they won't admit that that's what it's from, but it didn't happen magically. And the people that are saying that that is what it is from are not listened to because they don't have the same budget to work with. Hmm. So that's my second example of maybe we should question science just a little bit more. I'm hoping that that they have learned more about the Freon problem, but every time they talk about it, they always omit the pill factor, the pollution impact lag. Every single thing we have created in the last hundred years and released into our environment from a chemical company has some sort of unintended consequence. The question is, how long is the lag until the effects are felt? Hmm. because Freon is apparently 50 years. So so if, if that's the case then, and they're telling us that fossil fuels is causing climate change, it could really be the Freon that's been released in the atmosphere over the last 50 years. Oh, yeah, yeah especially it could be, it could be a lot of different things. Freon is only one of about 4,000 chemicals that we have unleashed upon ourselves in the last 100 years, the vast majority of which have happened in the last 60 years. And once again, the reason all of the money existed to create these things, which we call progress, is because we uncoupled the value of money from reality. How about plastic? You know, um, I mean, plastic is usually, it's made from, most of it, I guess, is made from petroleum, if I understand it correctly. And everything now is, is like, like they put plastic where plastic's not even eat, needed, like milk cartons. Exactly. I, I call all of this the illusion of progress. I'll give you the next next example. Since we're talking about refrigeration, this is my this is the drum I beat with everyone who will listen. When my parents moved from Holland to my grandparents moved from Holland to Canada in the fifties, the first refrigerator that they ever bought, we took out of their house when they went to the retirement home. From the nineteen fifties to the nineteen eighties, they owned one refrigerator, <laughs> and now you're lucky if your refrigerator that hooks up to the internet and can tell you what's missing from it lasts seven years because of planned obsolescence. Yes. But it's okay though, because it's got a little energy star sticker on it, which, so that's better because that's progress. But the amount of energy that it actually takes to manufacture a faux stainless steel refrigerator that's only going to last seven years, 10 years if you're lucky, and it's going to break three times in those 10 years, this is not progress anymore. And the reason that your refrigerator is a piece of garbage now is because money has no value. If money was tethered to gold, let's say still, and you had to work your butt off to earn enough to have that, it would have to last longer because the money would have value. And this is trickling through every aspect of our society now. Every appliance. I have a friend who has gone through four dishwashers in three years. This is not progress. And every one of those times that you buy a dishwasher, a factory has to 
pollute the environment to create it and the replacement unit because they sold another one. And all the engineers are doing right now is figuring out more and more ways to make them crappier and crappier instead of better and better because they need to get more potential out of every sale. And the only way they can do that is to put less materials into the product. Hmm. Because if we're not growing, we're failing. So this is all contributing to this climate change problem because a refrigerator used to last 40 years and now it lasts 10. Hmm. This is a crime against humanity now. That's true. My parents had a freezer and they had that same freezer for as long as I was alive. And it never broke. No. <laughs> and it just, it did its job because they say, well, well, you know, the new ones are more efficient. That's a load of crap. There is nothing more efficient about replacing it four times in 40 years. There's, I don't, for $3,000, let's say for a refrigerator, you can buy a lot of hydro if it's only going to last 10 years. Mm -hmm. My refrigerator from the 1980s that still works, I can pay for a lot of hydro if I'm paying for two to $3,000 for a fridge every 10 years. Hmm. This is not solving the problem. It's making it worse. And the only reason that you can make your fridge that crappy is because the money has no value. This is starting to sound like a self-destructive spiral. Yeah, exactly. And it's also that here's the next level of the problem. You and I, individuals, to get up every day and go to our job and change our labor into currency so that we can buy the things that we need. We're being forced to play by the old rules, whereas the corporations are playing by the new rules called those rules don't apply to me and we'll print as much money as we want and uh, just keep pumping it into the system. And then our money becomes worth less and less while they basically, while the fox basically loots the hen house now. We Individuals are forced to play by the old rules, but the governments play by new rules. And I don't even think they know the difference anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I think that the people that make policy just don't understand the value of money and where that value comes from. And the value comes from your effort to acquire it. And you remove that from the equation and you get a completely undisciplined, valueless society that doesn't respect the value of anything because none of it has any value because there's no way of your effort to be established as a value. That makes sense. You know, it, 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 it's weird because I used to always think that the system was designed this way on purpose, basically to make people into slaves without them knowing that they're actually slaves. Um, but now, obviously, things are different because, like you were mentioning earlier, we were talking about the credit situation. It's like it almost turned over on itself in some ways. Yeah, I think that there's so many crazy conspiracy theories about all of this stuff. I go back, it's path of least resistance. If you, energy will always follow the path of least resistance. And as an energy-based being, until you become aware of the source and the reason you're acting the way that you act, 
you follow the path of least resistance too. Perfect example of that is our educational system. No child failing and everyone getting pushed through because it's discriminatory against the child is actually teachers looking for the path of least resistance because it's too hard to actually force the kids to learn. People look at it though as a conspiracy. Oh, they're dumbing us down. Yeah. Well, there's always another way of looking at it. And if you can find that other reason that's energy-based, you usually find something that makes more sense because conspiracies in general, they do exist, but they're not about the things that we're that most conspiracy nuts conspire about. Right. Right? The 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 deplorable state of our educational system is laziness on behalf of the educational system to do no one wants to be the bad guy. No one wants to tell little Billy he's got to try harder. And if I do tell little Billy he's got to try harder, his parents come in and crap on my head anyway. So I'm just going to put in my 30 years, get my pension, and get the hell out of here. So we really don't have an educational system. Not anymore. Right now, what is being passed off as an educational system is another crime against humanity. If you remove all of the resistance from the equation, if, if, if current is constant and resistance increases, potential increases. And if current is constant and resistance decreases, potential decreases. That's Ohm's Law Part 2. Mm -hmm. So if the children are constantly forced to put their energy into something that has no resistance to it, you create a potentialist generation. They have to be pressurized to reality. And the reality you do that is by overcoming obstacles. Current is constant. The greater the obstacle, the greater the potential established. You cannot remove the obstacle from the equation and think that you will have a generation that is pressurized to contribute in any meaningful way. Wow. And it's not a conspiracy. It's laziness. It's a whole generation who's had it way too good for too long going, well, I had it tough and I don't want to be that way with my kid. I don't want them to have to go through all the things that I went through. Yeah, but some of them are necessary. Right. It's those things that you go through that makes you stronger and able to function in the world. Exactly. And then they wonder why everyone's got an anxiety disorder because everything's so hard. Well, yeah, life is hard. You know what's going to be hard? Death. Facing, I'm going to go Norm MacDonald here. You know what's going to be hard? Facing death. <laughs> I miss Norm MacDonald. <laughs> he was always my favorite on SNL. He was always my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's so, crazy me, because now you have this educational issue. You got um, the climate issue. And the, with the educational issue, that means they won't be even smart enough to recognize a climate issue. Well, exactly, because this is my next catchphrase that I'm selling right now. It's ideology versus reality. So there's the way we want it to be, and then there's the way it is. And the everywhere I look in the world right now, I see ideology crashing into reality. With all of the policies, the crazy policies that they're trying to pass to, to make everything inclusive and all that stuff, I agree with inclusivity on merit. Mm -hmm. right so you have to 
to to do something. So just including everybody for the sake of including everybody, that's not going to work. You can do it as long as you keep pumping worthless money into the system. <laughs> yeah. But eventually life means that because we as individuals are obligated to transform our our labor into an energy transfer agreement of money, these kids are so ill prepared for what life at our level of the system is going to be because we are basically wage slaves. Not in a not in a evil kind of slavery kind of way, but you got to work and you got to turn your efforts into money to buy the stuff that you need or you starve to death. It We've got to, a better it, it used to happen that way. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And now I just, I guess people just say, well, I'm just not doing this anymore. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you couldn't pay me to be 20 years old right now. I can't imagine what is going on on the substance abuse and just general hopelessness and mental illness of an entire generation, especially given the fact that the educational system didn't pressurize them to handle any pressure whatsoever. Hmm. Interesting. Spooky. Yeah. So this is my, like I say, this is my Halloween tale of terror. <laughs> yes. Um, but right now what I see is that you've got all of the governments of the world saying, we're going to fix this climate problem, but keep spending money that you don't have. Right there, it tells me that they either can't be honest or they don't know because we are 50 years, I'm, I'm 51 years old, mm -hmm. and we are 50 years down this untethering from the gold standard that has caused all of this. As soon as America was able to print money, not backed by anything to get the energy that they needed to keep on with their agenda that was the beginning of the end because as soon as they got that energy from the OPEC countries all that energy got burnt and it got burnt doing all kinds of crazy things like building bass boats and sea dudes for everybody <laughs> and it's not only enough that you got that you've got a bass boat well this bass boat is black and Black bass boats are so 2017. I need a red bass boat now. And a bass boat's $100,000. How many bass boats have we made in the last 50 years? Probably a lot. How many trailers and all of it? Like how much stuff has America just pumped out and now China is pumping out? Like just how much resources do they think are floating for another year? I don't know. I, I guess they just keep they're gonna keep doing it until everything self destructs. Yeah, my friend puts it this way. We're we're on a train and the bridge is out. Um the government is firing more more coal into this in, into the engine. The bandits are robbing the train from the back. The final cars of the train, which are basically all the poor people, they've already been set loose. And all of the Wall Street guys are in the bar car trying to get one last drink in. <laughs> but the train is going to go over the cliff. And the people in the bar car don't know when. All they know is, is that the money's being thrown into the locomotive. So just keep taking as much steam as, as they're given. Because there's nothing any of us can do to stop it anyway. Mm. 
So they just keep taking the money. They're just robbing it. They're just robbing the system now. The stock market is just robbing the system now. The investment class, sorry, more specifically. Do you think it's too late to fix it? <coughs> I think that the will to fix it isn't there. As long as there's a way for them to keep printing money, which they can print money for a long time. As long as they can keep printing money and giving it to their friends and finding a new carbon tax scheme that they say is going to fix the problem, they will exhaust every one of those before they actually acknowledge that the money itself caused the problem. Hmm. I think they don't know, in all honesty. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I think that they have no clue what the impact of valueless money has beyond, well, the price of houses went up and the price at the grocery store went up and that's inflation and that's just what happens when you print money. No, there's so many more things that happen when you print money because all of that money gets spent and all of that spent money triggers energy agreements throughout the entire system and all of those energy agreements are creating pollution. Hmm. And how does all this sort of connect with um, what's happening now with not being able to get people to go to work anymore? Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm in awe of this phenomenon. It's because it's everywhere. It's global. Right now, I live in just in a little village just outside of Ottawa, which is the nation's <clears throat> capital. And you can go to any industrial park in this entire city and every single place is hiring. I don't get it. I think I think what happened is is that a whole bunch of people retired because the baby boomers represent 30% of North America. Mm. Think about that. And the peak baby boomer retirement peak of the baby boomer retirement wave is hitting now. So in Canada that's 10 million people and in America it's 100 million people retiring. Hmm. That's going to affect a lot of things, right? And the next generation isn't going to do a job like I'm doing in a a distribution center Mm -hmm. because they're going to be a YouTube star or a video game star or whatever. They're all chasing whatever the current version of their generation's dream is. And God bless them, but eventually they're going to have to get to work because it's very hard to sustain yourself <laughs> doing well, anything that is passion-based. As long as they don't become podcast stars like me. I guarantee you this. If a, a huge percentage of them are going to try, but they don't have your work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they may not be willing to put in the Work a full-time 40-hour job and then another 30 hours of podcasting a week. Well, that's that's the reality of it that they don't see. No one sees the work. They just see the result. Hmm. You know, it's it's fascinating. I, I think that I'm hoping that the Freon science has changed. My gut says they figured the problem was solved and they never thought about it again. But every once in a while, I do see an article where they acknowledge that something is happening up there and they don't really know why. And then they just they feel obligated to share it, but they don't go any further in it than that. And I just know that every single one of those units to this day is just being dumped into the environment 
And that's like I say, that's just one chemical of thousands of forever chemicals, they call them now, that we have unleashed upon ourselves. Right. We are going to hit an ideology versus reality. And my point is this, when this reality hits, that reality will be energy law based. When it reverts to the actual reality that is driving everything, it is my wheels of life, Ohm's law reality. It is the first reality of the first principle. So it's very important for people to learn the basics of how that energy law obligates things to function because as the money gets more and more worthless, there are people being thrown off the end of the social treadmill like crazy right now into the meat grinder of reality. And that reality is 100% real energy law based. So when well, you go into survival mode, you need mm -hmm. to know energy law. Right. Which is a good thing. Because then, you, again, you're, you're, you're back to growing. Exactly. Unfortunately, a lot of them are going to be growing for the first time because they've been coddled this whole time and they didn't roll up their sleeves mm -hmm. and do the hard work. So then those turtles don't make it to the sea. Well, that, well, this is this is the other thing. Now, this is the other side of it. I, I, I believe in nature, obviously, mm -hmm. because I'm all about the natural law. And if you look at the global population and the debt, and the energy consumption, the hard truth is a whole bunch of people aren't going to make it. Right. Yeah. And they shouldn't have been here anyway. <clears throat> because the population is 100% connected to how we've dispersed the energy. Because if you don't have the energy, you don't make babies. Yeah. It's yeah, very I, simple. I, and I see that too. You know, I don't understand why people need to have like seven kids. I don't understand how we're on the verge of going from seven to nine billion people by like 2035. Good luck on that one. Something is going to correct that mm -hmm. because nature will find a way. We just, I, I, I honestly believe at our current rate of consumption, we do not have a hundred years. As we hit the hockey stick portion of the curve of the exponential growth, the demands, like they have to stop saying on the news, well, we're gonna do a $3 trillion stimulus package. And everyone goes, okay. They should stop saying three trillion. They should say 3000 billion. Because a trillion is a thousand billion. Mm -hmm. There is no reference point to any number that big. They should literally call it a thousand billion. They shouldn't call it a trillion. Hmm. We're going to pass a $6,000 billion package this month. <clears throat> and then people wonder why their money is losing even more value. Because you still have to dig your ditch to get your pay to go to the grocery store, buy the stuff, because you're being forced to play by a different set of rules. <coughs> horrible right it's like i remember a millionaire was rich exactly no millionaires maybe middle class a millionaire is anyone who bought a house 
before thousand mm. and just didn't move. <laughs> <laughs> you could literally sit on ass and you became a millionaire. You just had to hucker down. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I don't want it to be all doom and gloom, but I, I, ever since I took that course, like 20 years ago now, and I learned about this leg, which I call the pill, the pill factor, the pollution impact leg of the entire thing. Cause I don't work in that industry anymore and I didn't work in it very long, but that was the one thing that the second that I was told that something a switch got flipped in my head because I was the only person in that class that understood what that meant. So it's 50 years. Wow. That means that the refrigeration that I inadvertently release isn't going to become a problem for 50 years. Well, what's happened in the last 50 years? And then you start working in the trade and you actually see the wild west show that it is. And you go, wow, I hope they're wrong about that one. But that's what the government's teaching. So mm -hmm. that must be what the established science is. And as far as I know from, from people that are in the trade, they haven't been notified otherwise. And I actually talked to someone today to verify those numbers. One poly, one particle of CFC destroys, as, as we were told, 50,000 ozone particles. And it takes 10 years to get there and 40 years to for the kernel to pop. Mm -hmm. That's at least what they're still teaching. <clears throat> so I've done a lot of episodes on, you know, ancient archaeology and, um, you know, the timeline of the human civilization, which, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on which culture you go by, you're going to get a different number. Um, but there are some cultures that mention the human race going through four separate epochs where, Basically, it reached a certain point, then some kind of extinction event happened, reaches a certain point, extinction event happens. Do you think we're reaching possibly another extinction event or the end of this epoch? I Absolutely. Have you, have you heard anything about micronovas? No. Okay. So they've been doing these like carbon dating samples of different things. And they're finding this anomaly that basically happens between every 10 and 12,000 years. And it's basically like, we know if the sun has a huge solar flare, like that it could blow all the atmosphere off of our planet in like mm -hmm. a heartbeat, like the movie Knowing. But what they think spikes is that every 10 to 12,000 years, a sun emits a large enough burst that it will destroy all electronics. It wouldn't kill everybody necessarily, but all electronic, any technological advancement that's electrical based would be fried. Mm -hmm. So the theory kind of now is, is that, which is kind of cool because if every sun in the universe is doing this, every species that gets space faring from the second they reach technological advancement stage, there's a ticking clock to the 10 to 12,000 year mark for them to get their ass off the planet and away from whatever sun they're at. Interesting. 
we would all be facing that same that same problem. So if you have any level of technological advancement like we have right now and that micronova occurred, we would literally be thrown back into the Stone Age, like Snake Plissken flipping the switch <laughs> at the movie. end of Escape yeah. from L.A. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we would immediately spiral into chaos and it would be Mad Max. Hmm. Because especially in the current environment where no one is disciplined enough or has enough worth ethic or has overcome enough resistances in their life to actually understand that life is hard, the system eats itself should that event occur. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but I'm saying that that's an interesting theory if they're finding evidence of these microbursts in core samples that are like happening every 10 to 12,000 years. And that would be neat. If that's true, that would be something that every life form in the universe would have to be contending with. Mm -hmm. So anyone that you would meet extraterrestrial wise would have to have overcome that same time limitation. It's like each evolution that comes out of the planet is got a limiter on it. It's got a time limit on it. And you either pass all the tests and get to the last level of the video game and get off or it's someone else's turn 20 million years from now. Yeah. And that does seem to be the, what happens. Yeah. I, I honestly believe the Egyptians did not build those pyramids. No. I That's a load of crap. I believe that they were there and they moved into them. Yeah. There is no way that 4,000 years ago they were building those things. There is no way. I don't believe that. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how many crazy videos there are of guys throwing these ways of how it could be done. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So some, there's also an amazing number of cultures that have this flood story. Oh yeah. 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 All the over from, from Sumerian to Christian to the Hopi. I mean, it's everywhere. So like I was saying earlier, Climate change is constant, and mm -hmm. North America, the part of North America I'm on, 30,000 years ago was basically under three kilometers of ice. So there's another theory where basically as the last ice age receded, um, a huge lake of ice was formed on top of all of the glaciers over the part of the world that we're in right now. And eventually, when that glacier foundation cracked, it unleashed the tsunami of water that all of these cultures say was the flood. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And there's evidence to it, too. So it's, it's, not, it's, it's not just a story. We, we know that glaciers came through and created, you know, these mountains and piles of rocks and all this stuff. Yeah, it makes sense that if there was a huge body of water that was forming on top of that glacier and then the glacier gave way and that was the size of from Ontario to South Carolina, mm -hmm. that would be a lot of water hitting the Atlantic Ocean, heading right towards Europe and the Middle East. Yeah. Interesting. But... This is all fun speculation, but um, <laughs> fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll never know. The um, yeah, and I don't want to 
I, I, I haven't shared this free on knowledge with too many people, mm-hmm. but I use it as the example of you got to trust the science as a bad policy. Science is good, but not all progress is what it is claimed to be. Sometimes progress has a dire consequence that just takes a little time to manifest. And there's always one. Mm. In the history of every technological advancement we have ever made, there has not been an unintended consequence other than the creation of Viagra, apparently, which happened by accident. I don't know, man. I've heard about people having to go to the hospital to get rid of their woods. So, <laughs> <laughs> so even that happens. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm. They stumbled upon trying to solve some other problem. Mm-hmm. It's just science is fluid, is my point, and knowledge changes and it grows. But what we're passing off as progress right now. When I buy a light bulb that's supposed to last for 5,000 hours, like 10 years, and it's burning out in the same amount of time as the old light bulbs did, it's bullshit, quite frankly. I've noticed that the, those light bulbs burn out quicker than the old light bulbs. Like, this is all just the need for more and more money to run through the corporations, and it is literally a crime against humanity now. I can't believe that there aren't heads being put on sticks and I'm not an advocate of violence, but we are going to reach, especially now with the hyperinflation kicking in, there are so many people getting thrown off the end of the social treadmill that we are going to see some crazy, crazy stuff in the next 10 years. Mm. Right, right now, all over the GTA in Toronto, the greater Toronto area, there are people living in tents in every green space that was a park wow and winter is coming yeah they gotta be cold and no one is talking about it the news isn't talking about it the news is a total all news right now is a criminal enterprise (laughs) it's it's unfortunate because they have a very specific job and it's to tell the general public the facts And it it is so obviously biased now and paid for by corporate interests or government interests that you, it's a terrible time because you can't listen or believe anyone. That doesn't make, that means it's propaganda, not news. Exactly. That's why stuff like what you're doing is so important because conversations like this, I, I, I invite everybody to just look up what I have discussed here, you will find everything that I have said to be true, at least given to what the current understanding is, because the news will never talk about that. As far as the government's concerned, well, we created a law that we never bothered enforcing, but I decreed it, so it is so. (laughs) Meanwhile, you've got Joe and Stoller going, Listen, if I do all the safety things that I'm supposed to do here, I can only do four calls a day. But I start the day with 12 calls 
And if I don't do 13 calls, I don't feed my family tonight. Mm -hmm. But as far as the government's concerned, I wrote a law and the law has been passed the ring. (laughs) Do you think that doing away with government would be a step in the right direction? Like sort of like the rewilding of society? Yeah, I think the government's job should be very simple. Make sure that there's roads and let things fail. The capitalism really is an incredible system if it's allowed to actually function as it's supposed to. When the banks basically duped the entire world into buying all of these financial instruments. Oh, that was the other part that I wanted to talk about. I'll get back to that. When they duped the entire world into buying all these financial instruments, they, um, sorry, mm-hmm. they and they, they should never have been bailed out. Capitalism means that if you screw up and you fail, then the vultures move in and get to pick through the bones and something new gets generated. You don't keep the old dinosaur still alive. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So that actually gets me to my to the to the point that I forgot to put in my little notes here. What they've actually done is instead of using money as an energy transfer agreement, like we're supposed to use it for, they've turned money into a commodity. So the amplification of the climate change problem happens when money itself generates money. Labor is supposed to generate money. But when you allow money itself to generate money, then all of that money gets spent too. So right now, you can buy what's called an inverse Bitcoin fund. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. This is what an inverse Bitcoin fund is. I bet that Bitcoin's going to go down. And if it does go down, I make money. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard of this in the stock market. <laughs> That's right. It's short selling. Mm-hmm. But they actually have a new name for it now called an inverse fund that you could invest your retirement pension in if you really wanted to. It's a total Wild West <laughs> casino show. And all of that money, you cannot make money when something fails. This is the ultimate bastardization of making up your own rules. It should not be allowed. It's once again, no enforcement of regulation. Hmm. And all of that money, when someone makes money, when something fails, they spend that money. And that money turns the bass boat factory on and gets the smelters going and builds another art that money on that they didn't actually generate from anything other than rolling the dice at the Wall Street casino. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And they don't they don't correlate that to as part of the, the problem of what's happening in the environment. That's almost they as bad as make, almost as bad as a hedge fund. It's all of it. All of it. The the stock market was beautiful when it started. There's big projects that we need to diversify the risk with. So if we all pool our money together, we're going to take a chance and we're going to build this railroad because if we can build this railroad, then we can charge so much for these goods to drive on the railroad and we'll get a little bit of that profit and that's the reward for the risk that's what the stock market was designed for Mm -hmm. not this freak show that it's become now 
because now money itself became the commodity. And how they did it was when they devalued money from gold in the 70s, the US dollar became the global reserve currency for the trading of oil. So you need US dollars to buy and sell oil. So to all the other countries, the acquiring of US dollars becomes a commodity like potatoes. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have enough potatoes, we can't get the oil, but the potatoes are now the US dollar, which means the US dollar is no longer functioning in the energy model as current or currency. It's functioning as potential because it's now the commodity itself. And this throws the whole system out of alignment with reality. I'm still stuck on this whole inversion thing because it <laughs> because that then there is no risk. If I'm understanding well, there, it there, right. <laughs> well, there there is there is a risk if it goes up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just gambling now. Hmm. It's all just gambling. Wow. It's so bizarre. Yeah. So the 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 money that is flowing through the stock market right now and the number of schemes that there are to generate money just by playing in that arena is, if I'm correct about money and its role playing in the climate change, we are going to see something crazy happen because all of that money is being spent somewhere. Yeah. And you can only get so many... Uh, jelly bean shitting reindeer and you want bigger things. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I'm just hoping your timeline is wrong. I'm hoping it's like more like mm, 80 years. Yeah. Because cause then by then I'll be dead. Probably. Observation of... <laughs> we'll oh, to, for sure. And we'll have to watch it happen. Well, I, I I just go back to the original assessment of it was created in the mid 30s. By the mid 70s, they knew it was a problem, and by the mid 80s, they knew that it was a big problem. And that's 50 years. Mm -hmm. That's all that I can go by because that actually happened. Yeah. So, why it slowed after that? If it was the economic downturn of the 70s that just halted development for a while, all I can say is absolutely is that by the time you get to the 80s, when they started putting an air conditioner on every house as just part of a house purchase, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of something that is still coming. Hmm. Yeah, we didn't have an air... Well, we had an air conditioner in our living room. But then the rest yeah, of the house wall didn't... Unit. Yeah, the rest of the house didn't have it. <clears throat> we, had to yeah. use, we had to use fans. And open windows. Yeah. And now it's just a right. The, is a house the, without an air conditioner is useless now. <laughs> I don't know. Even, I'm not really a fan of air conditioning, actually. Never have been. I've always liked the heat. We do get a certain, we get about three weeks a year here where it is so unbearably hot to our weak winterized bodies. Mm -hmm. It's not hot to you by your standards, but by our standards, it's it's pretty not nice. So it's nice to have the option. But would that but be like, like 75? 
Yeah, it would be like, um, it would be, I don't know what the conversion would be. It would be like, it's hot. Let me put it to you this way. I'm working in a distribution center and mm -hmm. sometimes you got to unload a 40 foot shipping container um, by hand. And when it is uh, 40 degrees outside and um, you actually lean against the container by accident and you get burnt because it's that hot inside of it, like an oven, you like to come home to some air conditioning is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have they replaced Freon with other stuff? They did. The old, the old bad Freon was called R22. And the new Freon is called R410A. Hmm. But all of the reclaiming procedures are the same because even though it doesn't have the chlorofluorocarbon in it anymore, they're they're erring on the side of caution. So they don't water based, really, I think. So they don't really know. Yeah, they're, 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 they think they know, <laughs> but they're not going to take the chance like they did last time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> And yeah. what's what what I what I what is crazy like look up forever chemicals. The stuff that they're finding in the snow in the Arctic, like they're finding this stuff there. Mm -hmm. Like they're finding chemicals that well look at oh, here's here's another one. Teflon. Have you seen have you heard about you know Teflon on the pans? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also we I remember we I used to work in electronics and we used to use Teflon coated wire because it was flame resistant. Exactly. And they use Teflon spray on, on almost all fabric mm -hmm. so that it was like water repellent and stuff. So do you know anything about Teflon? Mm, not much. No, I just know what it does. Okay. So what they found, there's a great documentary called the devil we know. Okay. And basically what it's about is that they put, they found this Teflon by accident. And they realized, hey, nothing will stick to this. So they put it on all the pans. And then they realized that after a little while, that if the pans get too hot, the Teflon leaches into the food. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when this Teflon leaches into the food, it goes in and it starts binding to your cells and DNA. And then things don't stick to wherever it's attaching to in your body either. Hmm. So... The people that were working in the Teflon factory, basically, that were making this stuff, they've had the largest class action suit against the chemical company in the history of the world. Because the Devil We Know documentary talks about how when they realized that this Teflon was leaching into our food through our pans, they went to go find blood samples to see how widespread this phenomenon was. And they found Teflon in the blood samples of 99% of the people on the entire planet in every continent. The only blood samples that they could find that were not Teflon contaminated were ones from soldiers taken that were in a lab from the Korean War. <laughs> so, 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 how, so how does this affect people's health? Well, this is what they don't want to talk about now. Because is this why rates of autism have gone from one in two million in 1970 to one in 67? Mm 
Is this why Alzheimer's is rampant? We don't know. But might makes right so the people, they get to write the truth. And the truth is, is that you can't prove that. You can't prove that. Hmm. Right? But the truth is, is that we have in, infected the, the genetic makeup of the entire species because it was just so damn inconvenient to put some butter in that pan before the egg. Yeah. That's... Look up that one. It's called The Devil We Know. It's oh, a documentary. I am going to have to look at that. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. Like I knew that like nonstick pans in general were dangerous to birds. Like if you had like a pet bird or a pet parakeet and you cooked in a nonstick pan, it would kill the bird. Wow. Mark Ruffalo actually just did a movie on it called Dark Water. They've taken that documentary and made a feature film about it that came and went with little promotion for obvious reasons. Right. Um, it's it's phenomenal. It's called Dark Water with Mark Ruffalo. He plays the too. lawyer that fought. He uh, he plays the lawyer that fought the case and basically lost his career to the decades long fight that it took for that to get acknowledged. But once again, a product, 100% government approved, deemed to be safe, and basically everyone in North America is a guinea pig to the corporations. North America is the proving ground of so many things that we don't really know for sure, but eventually we got to give it to people. And then after a bit of time passes, we go, oops. And I'm kind of reached the point in my life where I don't want to be a guinea pig anymore because I'm really starting to feel that way because there's always another something that was not as advertised mm. and it gets exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately in our age, we've already been exposed to all kinds of crazy things that probably have delayed uh, consequences. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we've been guinea pig. <laughs> I, I, I see that for all of the advancements in, in medical science that we've done, at some point there will be a dramatic decline in the life expectancy mm. of people in general. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because if our lives end up being 10 years shorter, they're the 10 crappy years anyway. Yeah. <laughs> as horrible as that sounds. <laughs> They're the 10 years where you're sitting there just looking at a wall going, when are they going to change my diaper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say like anything after 75 might be going too far. Well, they're very old 150 years ago. That's what people don't appreciate is how quickly all of this happened. And it's all because of the discovery of oil. Mm -hmm. we, we literally found liquid sunlight that we could do anything with. It is a miracle and it took millions of years to form and we have blown through all of it in a hundred years making jelly bean shit and reindeer. Hmm. But if, if we had have used it with the proper way money should work, if you literally had to plow a field and create a harvest and change that into money to get the stuff you need, that oil should have lasted a thousand years. And the planet, the rate at which we would have burned it, would have been more than enough time for the planet to, to process it. Hmm. 
Well, we messed up. Does that Oops. make sense? <laughs> yes, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> but it's no tra- one in the government. It's, it's tragic, though. Yeah, no one, no one in the government can ever afford to acknowledge that because they're all corporate shills now, too. Anyway. Yeah, I know. So I don't even bother voting. Yeah, it's silly. The new, the new thing out now is the whole. Uh, looking into the finances of all these government people and it's amazing how many times they invest in a little company that a year later gets a major contract it's amazing how 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 lucky they get when it comes to personal investment might be some kind of insider trading yeah you think i think think so you know what it might be a little bit of nepotism even sometimes from i've always got a brother-in-law who's got a crane company if you need a crane guy oh yeah yeah that's very common too but my point is this ideology versus reality let's get this thing back on check here if if you believe the world is a certain way you can get away with it for a little while which is what the government is doing. They they really, really want this world to be a specific way. And eventually, when the money is so debased to the point where it's not even worth going to the bank to cash the check, the real rules of reality are going to come into effect, and they are brutal. Mm. And I, I'm going to go through them real quick. If resistance is constant and current decreases, potential decreases. This is phase one. And if resistance is constant and current increases, potential increases. If you face an obstacle and you cannot act, you do not have the potential to overcome the obstacle. Once you act, you move into phase two. In phase two, if current is constant and resistance decreases, potential decreases, increases, potential increases. Therefore, when you are actively doing things, the harder the thing is to do, the more you are required to grow and become pressurized to that reality. As soon as your potential is greater than the resistance, you move to the final phase, which is the potential phase. And if potential is constant and current increases, resistance decreases. You overcome the problem because you are now stronger than the problem. But if potential is constant and current decreases, resistance comes back which means if your focus gets split, the resistance has an opportunity to beat you back down to the first level where you got to go through the whole process again. I That's hate it when that happens. And it really sucks. Because <laughs> you think you got the tiger, you think you got the tiger by the tail, and the next thing you know, it bites you right in the Yeah. I've experienced that. <laughs> yeah, it's that maintenance phase that people forget about, right? You gotta once you establish that potential, you still got to throw some energy its way once in a while or it walks out the door. And back to square one. And then you're on the resistance path again, looking for the next thing that you're obligated to act to grow. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful in its elegance and simplicity. And it's infinite in its application. And all I see, if anything of what I have said proves to actually still be valid scientifically, we are we have created such an extremely high environmental resistance and that bill is going to come due very soon and the the money they're printing that they say is going to solve it is 
not only not going to work, it is compounding the problem exponentially now. Because all that money gets spent. And every time that money gets spent, a real energy transfer agreement occurs and a factory somewhere in the world gets turned on and pollution goes into the environment. And no matter how many carbon replacing smokestacks you put on these factories or whatever technology you come up with, the energy still gets released. And that's a problem because the planet needs time to heal. Sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I just said it was a big problem. It's huge. You know, it's just going to have to collapse on itself and go back to square one. Yeah. The question is, how long can they continue printing money before they become, what is it, Argentina was the last one? Or Venezuela? Was it Venezuela? It was Venezuela, yeah. Yeah. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's bad. I think right now, I'll make a little prediction. Right now, there is such an unbelievable lack of leadership in North America that China must just be waiting to pounce. And I think, this is my prediction, after the Winter Games, they are going to take Taiwan. Just like after the Nazis had their Olympics, they went into Poland, Mm -hmm. I think it was. We're going to see a repeat of that this winter after the Olympics. And China's going to say to the whole world, what are you going to do about it? Because they've got their soldiers parading by the millions in perfect, synchronized, Nazi-like perfection. Mm -hmm. And we are sitting around going, we can make this work a little while longer. Just print another uh, $600 The whole world is not going to put up with that indefinitely. We are, North America is a joke right now to the world. Mm. We certainly have uh, changed since I was a kid, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be you saw someone who worked hard and they, you know, they had a nice car. Mm -hmm. And it was a matter of pride because the effort they put into the money they had had value. And now you just get another credit card and everyone can have that nice car. You just have to be willing to put it on time. Mm -hmm. Well, we, how many generations of time have we spent here now? Because all of that spent energy got turned into the raping of resources and the creation of pollution. How many VHS tapes are in landfills? (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it's crazy. When you think about a video store, the little town that I grew up in had seven, and there's only 36,000 people. Hmm. And all of that media is now in a landfill, I guess. Yeah. And you multiply that by every product every entrepreneur has ever thought of. Here's, here's, here's the next kind of issue. Let's say we go from seven to nine billion people. And 20% of those people are entrepreneurial. Every entrepreneurial has to prototype and manufacture a product. Think about the resource drain that's going to be. Because 90% of businesses fail, but that product still has to be manufactured. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. Just more waste. It's insane. It is insane. It's insane. 
2% of a billion people are entrepreneurial and they all have to manufacture their product. We haven't even begun to see the level of freaking craziness there's going to be fighting for those resources as they dwindle. Mm -hmm. And people don't lay down and die. They get creative. So the creative people are going to get even more creative. The zombies are going to become even more stupefied. But the people that are doers, the doers of the world, we're going to see some amazing the resistances they're going to have to overcome are going to lead to the establishing of some phenomenal potentials that we can't even comprehend. But is it going to be enough when you've got this huge anchor of useless people who aren't willing to do anything because they've never had to? It might be enough, but it might take a really long time to rebuild. Yeah. A real long time, another 10,000 years. Well, that's what we're talking about as far as these human epochs, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's the very real possibility that a whole bunch of people just got to go and nature will find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. It has and people will, And people will say, oh, it was a conspiracy, let's say. A conspiracy depopulated the planet. Or our arrogance and stupidity did it anyway. Right. Yes, humans don't like to take responsibility. Well, that's actually the next point. Perfect. <laughs> is it, it is about personal responsibility. It's about having, it's that dignity of labor again. Personally responsible people minimize their footprint and they don't need to be told to do it. And they do it by living within their means. If everyone was pers personal responsibility is the only thing that solves the problem. I even, I'm even to the point where if you want to have five televisions in your house, you mm -hmm. should be generating the power that you need to power those televisions or your computers or whatever. Everyone should be self-sustaining their own energy production because the technology is there to do this now mm -hmm. and it's going to go that way. And if you want to have five TVs running 24 hours a day, then you're going to need more solar panels than your neighbor. Hmm. I'm actually and you thinking have to... about that with my new house. I might get solar panels for it. Yeah, they're, they're, they are getting better, but I don't think they're the answer on the scale of population that we're dealing with. Yeah, it's not going to cure everything, no. But, but I hate paying, I hate giving my money to the man. Yeah, but I, do, I also don't like a bill every month indefinitely. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't like it. So it's um, I think that because I know that every resistance is actually an opportunity, the resistances are going to be so high when this environmental bill comes due that the potential will be that much greater on the other side of it. I just worry about the ability of the average person to be able to handle the pressure that's going to go with that increasing of potential because potential is also pressure mm -hmm. and right now there's an entire generation of people and there's a lot of people our age too that are just useless mm -hmm. they are not pressurized for reality at all no that's true it's definitely true we are weak yeah yeah we are fragile 
And the system has made us this way because whenever you want something, you just get this little piece of plastic with a $10,000 limit that lets you have it without you taking the responsibility of generating that energy yourself. And with that responsibility comes the value of the money. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. That's why I don't use the plastic, man. Yeah. Screw that stuff. Yeah, we've created a valueless society. And the reason that it has lost all its value is because we have taken the value from it and not forced people to put their own value to it. Mm-hmm. Well, time will tell. But I'm sure you're correct. That was, you know, it, it has, something has to give. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer that, that your Ohm's law is basically like the you know like I said it's the God equation it, it, it is the it, it is the pattern to the universe and everything that exists from well, and from, I thank, from, from, I from thank micro you. microbes to to stars to galaxies and I I cannot overstate the uh, the appreciation for your continued support no oh, because always. it's a uh, I am the Dutch uncle on this one. <laughs> I am the, the Johnny Lawrence on this one. And uh, sometimes you just have to say it the way that it is and mm -hmm. let the chips fall where they may because someone has to shine the light on the true nature of the problem because no one in power, I think, either knows. They're so, they, they've all drunk the Kool-Aid for so long that they don't understand. Yeah is the nature of the poison. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I, or, I mean, I, I still suspect that some of them know, or, or, or at least have to feel it in a way. I don't know. But, but they, they're, 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 they, they know if they were to be the Dutch uncle, their career is freaking over. So they're, they're weak in that way. Exactly. So, and really, what can you do if you've spent your whole life climbing that political pyramid and got to that place where you actually have a little bit of power and influence? That's the whole problem with politics. People start with the best intentions. What's the famous quote? Politics makes liars of us all. Mm -hmm. Because you can start off with the best intentions in the world, but when the rubber hits the road at the end of the day, you just want to feed your family too and leave them with as many resources as you think they need to get through to their next level. And then it's all just self-interest. Hmm. I, I was thinking about running for president in 2024. And I had a plan. My plan is to, if I'm elected president, my first day, I will fire everybody. And then the second day, I'll fire myself. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love Problem it. solved. That's going to be my platform. So before we wrap yeah. this up, where can my listeners find you? Yeah, everybody figure it out. Um, so my website is, is, is uh, seniorthinktank.ca. And uh, I've released the first six chapters of my book to the Facebook group that I have called The First Principle, Ohm's Law of Life, The Divine Pattern. If you just go into Facebook and search for 
the first principle, Ohm's Law of Life, the defined pattern. You can find all kinds of reading material there. And the official website is seniorthinktank.ca. All right. I will post links to both of those. And um, and, uh, we definitely got to get you back on before the book comes out. I'm really excited about the book. I'm super yeah, excited when you, about this. When you, when you get a chance, go over the uh, the first uh, five, six chapters that are there because mm-hmm. you're part of you're part of the group. And uh, there's a great one in there about Cain and Abel, hmm. and how Cain. The story of Cain and Abel is 100% following Holmes' Wheels of Life, and I show you how. I can. But pop, that's maybe can, a whole can, other conversation. I can imagine that though. I can kind of picture it. Because I've become pretty familiar with this Ohm's Law theory, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cain, uh, Abel gets God's favor, mm-hmm. even though Cain gives more because is of more value to Abel than Cain's is the Cain. Yeah. So Cain begrudgingly gives his sacrifice, whereas Abel willingly gives his sacrifice, and that is why he gets God's favor. And that's all the little teaser I'll give you of that one because you have to read the actual <laughs> chapter to see where that all goes. That is awesome. <laughs> you never miss skip a beat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to post the links to your website and to your Facebook page on the notes to this in the notes to this episode. Uh, thank you for being on, and it was a pleasure talking to you again. Thanks for having me. We'll talk again soon. Awesome. Hang on for one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imagined.